Welcome to a brand new episode of Talking Rivals, the show where we talk about everything related to the best bleeping rivalry in all of baseball and sports. Um, I am your co-host, Patrick, covering everything Boston. This is my co-host, Chris, covering everything Yankees. So how's it going? Not much. Same old, same old, right? With the uh, yeah. <laughs> with the lockout. Yeah, my, my suspicion was that they uh, last week on deadline day when they were quote unquote moving the needle and making mm. progress. My yeah. suspicion was it was just it was for PR, yeah, so that the players union could say, "Well, we got close, we made some moves," and then the union, the players association, ultimately screwed it up at the end. Right, and they That's- really, you know, the union really wasn't the owners, I should say, and Manfred. I don't. I don't think they were in good faith d- dealing with the players. Right. What do you? Yeah, think? I totally agree. You know, I. I think we talked about it where they tried to sneak in some things that the players did. Like midnight. Yeah, that's pretty horrible. And and I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to put it out there into the media to make it look like it's all the players' fault. It's all, you know, they're all not moving. Which listen, it's both of their faults. Let's be honest. Yeah, both um, both sides have plenty of blame to go around. Yeah. I think in all the in in all this all their issues they have to both move towards the middle. It can't be just one side saying, "All right, you could get it all." You know, that's not how negotiations work. So they both have to come in and say, "All right, let's let's figure this out. Let's we'll move up, you know, 10 million, you move down 10 million or vice versa, whatever it is." And let's let's do this. And let's they're just mo- they're moving on little things though, right? Like a like, million dollars I saw at a time. <laughs> or a report today by Heyman and Rosenthal that uh, if if they move on the CBT, then the other stuff is just window dressing, and that could get figured out real quick. But they're like thirty five or forty million dollars each year apart, right? And then it just escalates. And I think the players' last one was, it starts at like two thirty, and within five years it gets up to two sixty eight, and the owners are not near that. They're like thirty or forty million below that. Right. But to their report, if they if they fix the CBT, the rest of the stuff, I think they'll figure out. I think that just comes with it like the playoffs and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's disappointing because I was watching college baseball and they're getting record crowds and mm-hmm. like baseball isn't, we keep saying, you know, baseball has problems and they do, but when, when played, it's a good product and it's, it's sad that they take for granted their their crowd, their core fans. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. And I, you know, we've been saying it for a while. There has to be a cap. You know, this CBT is just, it's just not working. And it'll never work the way it's supposed to work because the bottom, whoever they are, all these teams that are not spending money on payroll, they're not forced to, to spend money on payroll. They Yeah. They're supposed to, with the money they're getting from the CBT, from any teams going over, but they're still not doing it. And until there's a cap ceiling and a floor, 
where, okay, you can only spend up to this much, but you also have to spend a certain amount. Until that happens, I don't think anything's going to get fixed. I'll be honest. I I, I think they got to- What happens first? The floor gets implemented or Tampa Bay starts to lose with a low salary and then teams start saying- Oh, maybe we maybe we can't win with a seventy million dollar salary, right? I don't know if the floor gets implemented. I know, and the owners don't want the floor because you know they want, I guess, their right to say, "All right, you know, we're going to tank." They love that tanking thing, and the players don't want a ceiling, right? Because they want a team to go over <laughs> whatever that amount's going to be. But with the CBT, usually one, maybe two teams go over that amount, so. It's, I mean, if they get a high enough uh, cap, I think they can make it work. Like, let's say if it's two, two I was thinking like 220, 230 around there. And then you make the floor like $80 million, right? You make it like a third of the cap. So something like that, 80 million and 240. So 240, I think to start, obviously, it's going to rise every few years, whatever. But if you start it at that amount and then every every year you go up, you know, increments a couple of million and like the NFL does or at the end at the end of the year, the NFL says, OK, you know, we're due to make this kind of money for the league. So we'll move up a certain amount, a certain percentage. So they got to do that. And, and another big thing to make the cap work 100 percent and more honest is the teams have to open up their books. Right. They have to show what they're making for real, not what they're telling people. You know, they might right. be saying, oh, we're losing money. We can't afford to pay all this money. So I think that has to happen, too. And 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 they're not forced to do that, obviously, because it's a privately owned company. So they could do whatever they want. They could say, no, we're not going to show you our books. We're going to tell you our books. We're not going to show them to you, though. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to it's going to it's once you affect people's wallets, once you tell the owners you have to spend this much or else it gets tricky and uh I'm I'm starting to lean towards. I, I've always been on the player side. If I had to choose in the argument, players or owners, but I'm starting to go back towards a little bit towards the owners, just in the sense that look, they put certain things on the table. Um, even if it wasn't in good faith, there's certain concessions that have been made. Right. Expanding playoffs is a big deal. That's that's a lot of money that the owners get, but they're saying we'll give you more money for uh, minimum salary. We'll give you some playoff stuff as far as not being able to tank and getting draft lottery. And but you said it best. I mean, both sides have to come in in good faith and come to the table and we'll just work out the CBT and and just call it what it is a hard cap and i think you said it right too a couple of i think weeks ago or a month ago when you said the union should say okay let's try to get this one or two things done right let's just focus on the cbt right or the other stuff if the owners want expanded playoffs because they get more money right fine even if that water's down the regular season fine if the owners want to keep the if they want to keep the minimum salary a certain number, but they do the CBT, the hard cap, higher up, fine. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and then you know what? The next collective bargaining agreement, they work on the other thing that they want. Yeah. You know, the, 
the minimum salary. Yeah, what is it? Every five years or ten years? It depends on what they sign. They could sign a five-year deal. They could, you know, if it's a deal. What happens really if they like, came out and they signed it after all this, and it was a one-year deal? Oh, like an ex- or just an extension. <laughs> we just uh, we're just gonna kick the can down the road for yeah. a year, and we'll better next luck year. next off season. Yeah, we'll do this next off season. Yeah, wait till you see what we got in store for next off season. Oh God, if that's I, I, that's what they should have been doing this whole time. They should have been like, listen, let's let's you know try to negotiate in good faith. Let's keep the you know free agency open and all that. So this way the teams could be ready so that when they start, because now even if they start, even if they sign it tomorrow or the next day, you know, there's gonna be a week or two of just crazy when we're gonna see it, crazy free agency signings, trades, all that to get ready for the season. Then they gotta, you know, it so it's gonna get nuts. I, I think they should have been listen, let's just try to negotiate in good faith instead of but it was the owners that did put the lockout. You know, so that's yeah. that's on them. So, so that's where I thought they should have sat down for. I guess they've been sitting down for a long time anyway, leading up to it. But that sh- that should have been. I don't know. That's that's their biggest mistake for me because at least if they kept everything going, it would at least put on the facade that, yeah, we are trying to negotiate. You know, we are sitting down and trying to do it in good faith. But by not by putting the lockout down, it, it meant like. There's no shot. Nobody's, you know, like we're not talking and negotiation is not going well. And, and where do the talks stand now? Like where, what are they doing? Like once a week or something? I don't know. They talked a little bit on Sunday. Okay. And then today I didn't hear anything. So uh, who knows? Right. And on Sunday, yesterday, I didn't hear that they had something scheduled for right. the next meeting. Right. I mean, and that's that's the thing we, we've been comp- complaining about or talking about for the past two months is that where's the urgency like they should be talking every single day i don't care if it's the same discussion but that's how you negotiate every week you're losing four or five games at least yeah so that's of course i looked ahead to the schedule and three of the game all six would have been home games for boston so right away they lose six home games (laughs) and three of them were against baltimore so of course of course it's like, <laughs> and now that big day that everybody was kind of talking about on social media was April fifteenth is is Jackie Robinson Day. So everybody was like, "Oh, if they could get it straightened by then, yeah, that'd be that'd be a good opening day, right?" But you, you're talking about another week this week. If they don't, obviously it doesn't look like anything's getting done. So right, they might go into that now because that's the third week I think of the season. So you know, that's the next big. I think that's the next big one. And then after that, then you may as well wait till Memorial Day, you know, to have a big opening day for something. But that's that's it's embarrassing, you know, and yeah. I don't An know. Opening day is is a is like a holiday in and of itself. Yeah. So it's like they should just get it done, whatever day it is, just get it done as soon as possible. But I agree. I remember <laughs> You know, this was years ago, but I remember they used to say, Oh, opening day should be uh, like you're saying, it should be a holiday. You know, just like the day after the Super Bowl type right. of thing, like. But baseball now they're like the third biggest sport in the. Yeah. No, then if football doesn't get a holiday, you think baseball's <laughs> going to get one? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. If the Super Bowl doesn't get one, the biggest day in sports in TV the whole year. So I, it's it's sad, and it's like I keep saying it, but it's like their arrogance is what's killing the game, is what's killing everything, because they think, nah, the fans will be back, and yeah. For the most part, we'll be back. 
most of their fans will be back. But you know what? Ten years down the line, they're going to see the damage they're doing because they're not going to get those young kids to get you know to like even hey, if you play. lose ten percent, right? It's to not a full stadium. That's still five thousand a game. Yeah, that's and they have they're going to gonna, they're going to notice it. Yeah, and it's not going to be. It's going to be. I remember when I was downstate in New York watching Yankee games during the week in the nineties, they would get like 25,000 people at the old Yankee stadium. Yeah. And in Fenway before the monster seats, they would get some games. They were getting like 19,000, 20,000 and granted smaller stadium, but, but you I might just don't want to go back to the time when, and I think it goes back to what you were saying about the arrogance. The game just got so big that they figured out oh, we can change everything about the game on the fly. And there's, there's just, you would think there'd be more urgency with the money involved, but. Right. Yeah. I, I, I know I would be, if I'm a and, billionaire owner, I'd want to get this going. I want to keep my, my revenue stream going, you know? I, yeah. And as a player, I want, I want my checks. Let's go. Let's figure this out, man. Let's get yep. to the table. And uh, I, I sent you the um, the R two C two podcast, and CC was saying he goes, I want to see what the the lower paying guys, you know the you know the the lower guys on on the on the pay scale. I want to I want to hear what they're saying. Well, what are they thinking about? They should be on the you know the the governing board or whatever, not the governing board, but you know the guys that are that are in the discussions here, that they're in the the negotiations, not. Max Scherzer making 40 million. That guy's if listen, if this year is canceled, right? He's not getting 40 million. He's losing 40 million, but look what he's made in his career already. Yeah. And he's getting those extra you should payments too. You know, I always, think, I always thought you should have the highest paid, the lowest paid, and a middle. Right. A little bit of each. So that's where you get that different, you know, those different um you know, thought processes here because, you know, maybe the, the low guy is like, all right, listen, if you can't raise the minimum wage, I could do, you know what? I think I could get by on $550 million this year. 550000 I think I could scrape a couple of nickels together, but I'll, I'll get by. I'll be fine. You know what? Work on arbitration. Work on the CBT. Don't worry about minimum wage as much. If they don't want to go up that much, let's say, you know what? Like you like going back to what you said, concentrate on one or two things. Minimum wage, all right. If you don't, if it doesn't go up that much, all right. Uh, we're gonna make five hundred fifty thousand dollars, or we're gonna make six hundred thousand dollars this year. Yeah, Ugh. if at the very least, that's just adjust it for inflation, and yeah, and that's it. Right, exactly. But, I mean, is I, I, that's what I would do. if I'm the lower end of the guy. I'm like, listen, I just want to get paid. I'm not. I want to get paid. I want to start my. I want to get my career going. I want to get want to start the service time. Yeah, I want to get to what Scherzer is making or, you know, some of these other guys. I want to get into a free agency year yep. waiting to cash out, you know? So it's um, it, it's sad. It, it's really sad what's going on with, with the league. And it's frustrating from our point, you know, from our side. We just want to see these games. We just want to – we just want action. We want to we want to finish up free agency for, for Christ's yeah. sake. Simple things, right? We I just, mean, there is some good news on the horizon as far as – Minor league players are starting to come into camp. Uh, college baseball, minor league baseball is about to start within the month for opening day. 
Right. Um, and then the biggest thing, I guess the biggest news was the rule changes. Yeah. That were agreed upon, I guess, for next year to be implemented. Bigger bases, which is a safety thing mostly. Yeah. Uh, pitch count. Was it 14 and 19 seconds? Did I say? Uh, maybe, yeah. I could have swore that was the ESPN. One of the one of the the things that I hate about certain people that I follow the media, um, the coverage of baseball is they link you to articles that you have to pay for, right? <laughs> while there's a lockout, yeah. So you're telling me to 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 read up on why you guys aren't working? I have to pay, right? <laughs> but that's just me. Yeah, um, <laughs> I agree, and I don't mind the listen. Obviously, the, the larger bases, it's who cares, you know, I, but obviously safety, it's obviously a good thing yeah. for safety. I always wondered why they never had that um, that extra base, like, you know. Like a sure little league, first base. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. it saved so many injuries. So, um, And then the pitch count will help. The biggest one is banning the shifts. Yeah, I don't know. Are they going to – did they say exactly what it's going to be? Like the infielders have to stay – I, I thought it was just – I read it as there has to be two on each side of second base. Okay. That's what that's what was proposed. That's how they worded it in the headline. But, again, I didn't get the full article because the article they linked was a paywall. <laughs> so it's like new rule changes. Right. Subscribe for more information. Of course. So, but, um, uh, I, yeah. I believe it was two to the right of second and two to the left of second. Okay. That's, you know what? I think that's fair. I mean, I know, you know, everybody's like, oh, they should just, you know, they should just hit it the other way, hit it where the shift isn't. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for us to say, but you got to remember now, these guys are throwing, you know, there's no more, you know, low throwing pellets. Yeah, it's like out of the BB gun. Yeah. It's like 100 miles an hour now. Like everybody throws 90. If you throw one to 97, 96, it's like you're you're a finesse pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> as, as crazy as that sounds, right? Like you remember the old the old time adage, like the lefties, like a KG veteran, like a wily lefty would yeah. throw like in the 80s. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, the guy's only hitting 95. He's, right. he's hitting corners. Right. It's like that would be like the Jamie Moyer or the Jesse Orozco. Yeah, for 20 something years, like he's only throwing 95, he's hanging on, you know. But that's it's ridiculous. But that's how fast these guys are thrown. No, I'm not yeah. giving these guys excuses why you can't learn to, you know. But listen, for if you've done this your whole life, you know, you're you're just pulling everything and you, you know, you're talking about launch angle and all that. It's it's hard to go back to, you know, that way of hitting. Maybe that's what they'll start teaching now in the minor leagues. They won't just it won't be just about that because of. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I'll it be interested be. to see how the pitchers adjust to this adjustment. Right. Exactly. If they start if they start throwing to a left-handed batter, if they start throwing more on the outside part of the plate, knowing that if they, I mean, there's multiple. You could overthink yeah. it, but the pitchers are going to make an adjustment to the adjustment. And absolutely. And then the hitters it'll be interesting to see them what the hitters do, and then right. <laughs> yeah. But that's how. But that's how these guys become. The, the hitters become the great hitters, like Tony Gwynn, and you know, from the the offensive side and from the pitching side, like Maddox. I mean, these guys were just. They weren't just great teachers or great uh, great hitters, excuse me, or great pitchers. Like they understood. They were always thinking. They were always, 
you know, making adjustments right. to the game. And it wasn't just, okay, I'm going to hit the ball as hard as I can, you know, how some of these guys are now. And, you know, they keep bringing up Joey Gallo because he said, oh, you know, Ted Williams didn't have to do this or, you know, whatever. It is what it is. You know, listen, we just want the game back. It's going to be, and it's, you said it too, that other sports have changed throughout the years, right? Have Look played. at the NBA in 20 years. Right. You went from Dennis Rodman and Charles Oakley to Steph Curry. Right. Charles Oakley and Dennis Rodman would not be able to play in this game right now. No. They would be. They, they wouldn't, wouldn't be able to play in the NFL. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, like Bill Lambeer. Right. Those with guys. Detroit. Right. He, he would get fined if he was on the Detroit Lions, clotheslining people across the middle. Right. So, and I mean, the NFL's changed too. It's they've adapted and they realize where their money is being made. And the MLB started to do that a little bit with the asterisk steroid era, late nineties home runs, but then it just went, it, it morphed into this analytical three true outcome walk home run strikeout. Right. And I mean, the days of putting the ball in play and seeing what happens are just, no, I guess that's for a leadoff hitter, and that's it. And you would think they would do that because it seems like a lot of these guys are not the, the – I don't think they're as good defensively as they were 20, 30 years ago. So you would think you would want to put the game, the ball in play more to force these guys to make a play on you, right. you know? So I, it, it's a it's a strange game right now, and, and I, I believe it's going to – we're going to see more changes now because of the, you know, the eliminating the, uh, the shift. So, um, And I, I like the pitch clock. I know yeah. a lot of people didn't like it that I read on Twitter, but I'm all for it too. I should say it was probably 50 50 from what I saw. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, the best game I ever went to was an extra inning, four hour game, you know, a pitcher's duel type of thing. And then other people are saying, well, you know, I just want offense and I want things to move along quickly. And I could see it both ways. I, I just think there should be if you're going to take if you're going to take time away from the pitchers so they can't get ready or do whatever they have to do on the mound then take out one commercial per inning. Right, that'd be great. I don't think they would because that's money, but or just take one 30 second commercial that they have and mm-hmm. bring it down to 15 seconds. Yeah. So that 15 sec and I know it's only 15 seconds or 30 no, seconds or whatever. A lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Know. And over the course of nine innings, you're starting to talk about a minute or two each inning. You're starting to talk about another 20 minutes. Or even here's another thing. I, I, you see it a lot in uh, soccer because there's no breaks, right? Um, have uh, like this inning is brought to you by Coke, right? And just yeah. have Coke, you know, stamped on the screen the whole time. You know, in the corner somewhere, or uh, it's only a, it's only a matter of time before they do what the NBA does with the jerseys. Yeah, that's coming too. I I'm gonna hate that, but or this call to the bullpen is brought to you by T-Mobile. That type yeah. of thing. They always do that. So yeah, I mean that's why I'm, you know what I'm surprised because you would think it would it's a great um, uh, advertisement option is the uh, bring back the bullpen cars. Yes, right. Have them the golf cart or the car. Yeah, have them make out. You know made out with a sponsor, like the T-Mobile call to the bullpen. It's a T-Mobile car coming down, you know, yeah. whatever. So the Tigers could do big time with GM. 
Oh yeah. Oh, like, God. Uh, yeah. Like an SUV driving in from right I'm field. Right. I'm still shocked that they haven't done that. So it just like some of these moves, like I don't think the pitching clock is gonna affect the pitchers that much because the um the minor league guys have the pitch clock, right? Right. So they're they're already getting used to it. So any anybody coming up is used to it. It's maybe the older guys, maybe like a Max Scherzer, you know, but I don't think he's a guy that takes a lot of time. Does he? If I'm no, it used to be um, what's his name for the Mets? Used and this was a while ago. Oh, Traxel, right? Traxel, Steve Traxel. Yeah, that used to take forever. Yeah, and there's a difference. Like if it's a well pitched game, and it's just two great pitchers out there, and it's you know just a lot of foul balls, or they're taking their time. Yeah, but there's still a pace to the game. Right, and you're right. playing it well that I don't mind if I'm sitting for three and a half hours to watch yeah. a game. And I don't think the like, I don't think the pitch clock is going to affect the time of the game that much. At least I don't think so. I think it's going to be more, you know, um, the shift. Yeah. I, I really don't think, yeah, there's just a pace. Like you're going to see, okay, pitch, pitch, like you said, boom. If there's, there's always a rhythm to the game, whether it be now it's starting to be a little choppier. Yeah, where it would just be like home run, and then nothing. Strikeout, 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 right. strikeout. Sit around commercial, yeah. <laughs> do the wave. Home run. Right. They just want a little more pace and a little. Yeah. Pick it up a little bit. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I'm, I'm so. all for it. So, yeah, that's why I let's hope it does. I mean, and I I think eventually if they do bring it back or bring it back if they start using it the um the thing that Vanderbilt started using this year with the with the audio, uh, not with yeah. the audio, something with the watch or something like that. It, it's some kind of something like that that would knock out some of the um, um, the mound visits and stuff like that. That could also speed up the game as well. So that I'm I'm looking forward to also. You know, like now's the time to do it though. You know, now's the time to start thinking of these things because change has got to be made to the game. You know, like you said, we got to catch up. You know. Yeah. And uh, if you like what you hear or if you disagree and you want to keep talking about it, (laughs) find us on Twitter at Talking Rivals. Uh, Chris is at CP7NY. I'm at Patrick Trotty. We're also streaming on Northeast Streaming Sports Channel on Roku. And we're on Sportswire at Sportinarium.com slash player and wherever you get your podcasts. Um. I guess that takes us to on the field stuff. Now we finally get to a little bit. We'll get into, I guess, biggest trades in Boston and uh, Yankee history. And obviously, it starts with I, I, I. We'll save Babe Ruth for the end. Okay. <laughs> Let's work. Let's work modern times, players that we've seen type of thing. Do you remember well, – let's let's start this way. Um, a big a big trade or a notable trade between the two iconic franchises in your lifetime. Do you remember any that stuck out that stood out to you? Um, big ones? I mean, not obviously not a Babe Ruth level, but – yeah. Um, uh, 
my lifetime, not really. I mean, 86, we talked about it before on, on the air. It was uh, Don Baylor for Mike Eastler. They were both kind of at the end of their careers anyway. 97 was a decent one with Mike Stanley. Yeah. I think it was like Stanley was always um, a fan favorite with us and getting him back from you guys. I thought that was, that was a big move for us, but we had to give up Tony Armaz who, who then got flipped. Right. For Pedro. Right. Yeah. So that was one of the big arms there. Um, and, and the, the problem with the Yankee Red Sox trades are that they're usually, by the time they finally agree to a trade, the players are on the downslope. Like Elston Howard was kind of on the downslope of his career. He still right. had that one great year, but he was after his prime. You also had, um, trying to think, trying to be kind to certain players, but Stephen Drew for Kelly Johnson. Yeah, that's not exactly. That wasn't a great trade. I mean, they're kind of equal type of players. Yeah, but but uh, just just to make a point with Stanley, Stanley, I, I, every Yankee fan liked him back in the early '90s, and great player for us and all that. But if you think about it, he played I think five years for us. You know, to you know the the first time, and then when we got him back from Boston, I think it was five or six seasons we he played for us in the nineties and yeah. didn't get a chance to play for any of the world series teams, you know, as, as popular as a player as he was, it wasn't there for 96. And then by 98, he was gone too. So, um, yeah. And was I was looking at his page and he actually has more games played or more years as a Texas Ranger, hmm. but he only has 16 career home runs for the Rangers. So he came up and he played like, a smattering of games as a as a rookie yeah and then he came up for like half a year for the next three years he didn't get a full year he didn't get he didn't get he he only got 500 at bats until he never got to 500 at bats in his career <laughs> in a season well yeah oh yeah Plate appearances, he got. He didn't get up to over 300 until he was age 30 with the Yankees. Right, his second year with the Yankees. Yeah, but he I did mean, have over 500 twice. Yep. Yeah. Right, 98. But it was just bad timing for him with the Yankees. Yeah, it was almost because he mean, had a, not, he had a really good 95 year. Yeah, no, he was really good, and I I'll never forget going to uh, the Yankee Fan Fest that. It was going into going into '96. So it was after the '95 season, going into the '96 season. Um, we had just signed Joe Girardi, and he was there. And I just remember, like, and before that move was made, it was like, why are we, you know, why don't we just keep Stanley? Why, you know, why are we bringing this guy in and all that? And a lot of Yankee fans were not happy about that. That was on top of the Tino Martinez replacing Don Mattingly. That was the other. That was the bigger one, obviously. I mean, Tino used to get booed which was ridiculous, but um, I just remember, and I remember seeing Girardi there that, that day and getting his autograph. I got his autograph and I said something about it. I said, are you going to use the number 20? Cause that was Stanley's number. He left. He goes, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but um, yeah, totally different player, but Girardi obviously better defensively than Stan Stanley was never the great defensive, but right. definitely a, a really good bat in the lineup. And, and just getting back quickly with Tino, I mean, bringing in Tino, 
Like he got booed for the first month or two. Yeah, didn't family. he have a bad start to the year? I mean, oh yeah, Tino was always known, but yeah. Mattingly was known for that too as a slow starter. But uh, once he got going, I mean, now Tino's, you know, one of the great Yankees back that we've had at first base. So I'm trying to think yeah. of more modern trades between the two. I mean, they'd went after the Stanley trade; they had gone from '97 to in-season trades or any trades with the Yankees and Red Sox until 2014. Yeah, the Kelly Johnson, Stephen Drew. And then in 2021, Frank German and Adam Adovino to the Red Sox for, it says, unknown compensation. So it was basically the Yankees traded <laughs> a player and a minor leaguer, a major league player and a minor leaguer, just to get under the CBT. Basically, <laughs> just to save. And that, that turned out okay for a while. For like half the year, Adovino was pretty good. And then, as Yankee fans will probably say, just wait. And he showed his true colors. but Eventually, but you got a good, I would say, three I mean, he won seven games and he saved 11. That's not bad. It's a weird for... mix, but. Hey, you got him for nothing. You gave yeah. up nothing but money. So that really wasn't a bad deal. And I. It got it accomplished what the Yankees wanted, right? They wanted to get under yep. the CBT, so now they have so. But that would be good if they come into this offseason, whenever a free agency starts again. Let's see what they do. I, obviously, I think since they reset, I think they're going to go over it. How much over they're going to go over? That's the big debate where it's going to end up. The CBT. That's the other. Until all this final, you know, until that all gets finalized. I think they're going to go over it. I think they're going to sign a couple of guys. I think the guys that signed already, you know, I think we've talked about it. Kyle Seeger and Simeon, those guys were just, they got offers that blew away anybody's yeah. high offer. So, and then we'd have to go even higher because of the tax. There's no state tax in Texas. So, um, so we really had no shot at those guys. You know, everybody, we talked about it with Correa. You know, I don't see them getting, going after Correa because of, you know, you got Volpe and Peraza coming I keep up. hearing that the Red Sox might be a sneaky fit for Correa. Wow. And if they go, because there's, <laughs> Bloom hasn't signed anybody to more than $13 million contract since he's since he took over the Red Sox. Oh, I'm not saying they should sign Correa. As I said, that's going to change in a, in a very That's all or nothing. That's like, yeah. like going into the deep end real quick, but. Yeah. If they can get them "quote unquote" cheaper in the two hundreds, maybe a shorter deal because he's what twenty. Yeah, I, but I think that opens the Yankees to him as well. I think right. the Yankees and Red Sox are both kind of lurking in the background, saying, eh, "If you don't get what you want from a team that might not be ready to win, why don't you come here on a shorter deal?" Right, that's a possibility. Uh, I, I don't know if I would do it, but no, that's almost overkill. Like you don't need. No. You know, and you and you know, we we've talked about it how many times about pitching, right? Or you guys, you want to move Bogarts to second, and you know, you got then you got Devers, you got to sign that guy. That guy's going to be a three hundred million dollar plus player. Yep. So, are do you want two guys making that? I don't, especially with how how uh, your GM came from Tampa Bay. Not that he's looking to go down to seventy million, but you know, he's definitely he definitely doesn't want to go over to uh, yeah, BT, and so. it's just. It's difficult with the top prospects in both our farm systems being shortstops and 
Yeah, that's it's a good problem to have, though. The oh, toughest absolutely. position you have depth. And we said it too. Like even if even if they come out great as shortstops, you could always move those guys because they're arguably the best athletes on on the team. So if a guy plays shortstop, you could easily move him to second, maybe the outfield. So yep. you know there there's definitely options with those guys if you don't you know if you have too many shortstops, obviously, which is a good thing to have. And I'm looking at the. To go back to the trades, I'm looking at the trades, and a lot of them were, I mean, it's it's all or nothing. It's, you know, Sparky Lyle, Elston Howard, Don Baylor, big names, or it's some uh, interesting purchases, like one-sided for like, but I'm looking in the in the 20s, and we'll get to the big one in at the at the end with Babe Ruth, but there was another one in 1921. I didn't realize this. It was a two, four, seven person trade between the two teams and a hundred thousand dollars. That that's a lot of money for 1921. Yeah. And some of the names are just great. The Yankees traded away bullet Joe Bush (laughs) and sad Sam Jones. (laughs) <laughs> Sad Sam Jones. And Roger Peckinpah. <laughs> so um yeah. And then the other guy that I have to mention is uh Slim Love. Slim Love. <laughs> yeah. That's that's an actual guy that was traded. Yankees traded Slim Love and 15,000 for a couple guys that I heard of. Ernie Shore. He was a he was a Yankee. In the twenties, I mean, there were a couple of moves that um, I could not tell you. Like, who do you think the first trade between <laughs> the Highlanders and the Americans, or what year do you think they started? Just to give the listeners an idea of like, because we're talking about January of twenty twenty one, all the way down to as far back as. What do you think? I would think the early 1900s. So, well, it's got to be before 1919 because that's Babe Ruth. Um, yeah. It's got to be the early 1900s. Yeah, 1903. Okay. I mean, the last one that I'll bring up before we talk about Ruth, because Ruth is like the jumping off point of yeah. every trade story. But New York Highlanders traded Bob Unglob for Patsy <laughs> Doherty. I just you, you can't even make it up. It's like <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like right out of central casting. Just that's great. <laughs> it's uh, and that I mean to be serious for a moment, it's 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 weird because you don't want to be the you don't want to be the guy that gets the short end of the stick on the trade, especially yeah. with a rival. You don't want to like the, and that's why you don't see that many trades between the Yankees and the Red Sox, right? And you don't want to be the GM that gives away the next Babe Ruth. That's true. <laughs> so, I mean, Especially that's that's my theory why they don't trade with each other that much. But yeah, no, you don't want to give up any. You don't want to get. You don't want to give up anybody. Obviously, you're not going to give up a Babe Ruth anymore. But you you don't want to give up anybody that's going to help the other team win a championship. Yep. Whoever it might be, like they're lucky. Last year, Ottavino came down to earth a little bit. And the Red Sox ended up not winning 
the World Series because that would have been rough to see Adam Ottavino, you know, pitching in the World Series and and helping the Red Sox win a championship. That would have been yeah. really bad. You know, what, to just get under the salary cap thing? You know, the, uh, the CBT? Yeah, that's that, not a good look. No, that's not as bad as trading Babe Ruth for money to fund a, uh, a Broadway show, but you know, I, it's, it's still bad. I mean, it's still, it was a good bad. show, right? I'm, I'm, I hope to God it was, you know, because <laughs> he gave up arguably the greatest player to ever play the game for a for hundred thousand dollars. That's the day after it. Christmas, 1919. <laughs> I just, I'm looking at Babe Ruth's stats and obviously amazing player. I think he's number one all time, but I would think he. I has mean, to he be. went from twenty nine home runs in Boston to the next year fifty four in New York, and it was weird because they won the champion, they won the World Series in nineteen eighteen, but then they completely went bad, and now nineteen nineteen. Was the year they traded him, right? The the Christmas of nineteen nineteen. Yes. Nineteen nineteen was his final season in Boston. He went nine and five as a pitcher and hit twenty nine home runs. Led the league in runs, home runs, RBIs, on base, slugging, OPS, OPS plus, total bases. How did they not win more than they did? And they, they had finished, Tris Speaker back then, too. They finished sixth that year. Behind Yikes. the White Sox won it, and then the Indians second, Yankees third, Tigers fourth, Browns fifth, and then the Red Sox. 20 and a half games back. Well, the with- team total had 33 home runs. He had 29 of them. That's just unreal. I mean, so I still don't know. I like, I don't know the whole story, but like, why would they, I know it's for money, but there has to be a reason. Did they think, oh, we're going to stink anyway? I think it was the the off the field stuff. He was larger than life and they didn't know if they could kind of control him, not control him, but tame down his. Right. Because by the time they traded him, he was, I think, 24 or 25, just entering yeah. the prime of his career. Hmm. Um, my theory is that they they thought, okay, this first couple of years, he's just a youthful, kind of immature player getting used to being a professional. Now let's expect him to become more of a leader and more of a timid personality, we should say, off the field. Right. And it's, but it's, it's almost impossible because it's hard to know what's true and what's just make believe. Yeah. From that personalities and off the field stuff. And, <coughs> but a lot of it was financial. Yeah. <coughs> obviously. Uh, yeah. But That's I mean, true. if to your point, you went 66 and 71 and finished in sixth in the American league with Babe Ruth on your team. So right. they probably figured, you know what? Why are we going to pay him? Right. Maybe he wanted a big contract back then. Like maybe he was, I don't know how that would work back then, but that's, uh, I mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a, um, 
I mean, he did he it's it's mostly salary reasons, but his war was nine point nine that year. <laughs> and that was probably and it was obviously not anywhere near his best year. So but that's just incredible. I mean, and it's and it, and when you look at the the franchise over the next we were saying it right before we, we went on. Um, they went from 1918. They won the World Series in 1980, 1918. They didn't get to a World Series or win another World Series until 1946. So they went 30, 20, I'm sorry, 20, 28 years before they won another World Series. Yep. And then after 46, they went another... 21 years before they won before they got to another world series they obviously didn't win one i'm sorry they didn't even win that world series in 46 obviously they lost it and then 21 years later they got to that next world series and lost that one in seven games that was another thing too both of those world series that they lost in that 40 whatever year span they lost in seven games yeah well the big thing is that boston Red Sox aren't good at counting because game sixes, every everyone everyone points to Bill Buckner or Carlton Fisk doing the get right. fair. Those were game sixes. You still have to right. play game seven, and game sevens are just forgotten about in that history. But um, but the official reason is obviously the owner Harry Frazee, or F however you pronounce it. He sold Ruth to the Yankees because Ruth was aware of his value and wanted more money than what he was making. And his salary was $10,000 a year. Okay. And I guess the Yankees got him and redid his contract. So it was, it was, I was trying to, I was trying to give a good reason other than financial, but it was financial. Yeah. I mean, because it was nothing on the field. It wasn't like. Oh, it definitely couldn't have been, right? <laughs> yeah. Guy hit 29 out of 33 team home runs. And it's like. Stuff like that's never going to be seen again. No, definitely not. And then in, in their 46 World Series, they lost in seven. They lost game six. The Cardinals? And, yeah. And game seven. The 67. They actually came back and won. And Elson Howard had a horrible 67 World Series. Yeah. And Bob Gibson won three games in that series. I mean, he pitched unbelievable. I mean, three games. there's no shame in losing the World Series. It's just how they lose some of these World Series is that's the thing. It's not, you know, if you get swept by Bob Gibson or by a a Cardinals team that's great. It's right. one thing. If you find a way to lose games, if you snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, then that plays into are the Red Sox cursed or is it just my stance on it is they're not cursed. There's no. not a curse. No, it's just <laughs> for 20 years at a time, right. they either had great hitting and no pitching or good pitching and not timely hitting. And it's just that's what it comes down to. And in, in any in any sport, there is no I don't believe in, you know, the 
any any of those things. The I don't 80, curse 86, I don't know if it was because there was more video around. That was the year I was born, but there was more video and I could watch, rewatch and watch the replays of the games. There was some bad stuff going on though. There was a little like juju, like a little a uh, little mojo working against them in 86, I think. Because apparently what? Roger Clemens asked out of that game in game what? six. What why did he ask out of that game? The McNamara's widow. I told you this off the air. <laughs> she the day he the day after John McNamara, the manager, died when they had the services. She got up and said, one of my husband's dying wishes was it to be known on the record that Roger Clemens asked out of that game. He did not wow. pull him. Wow. He and went he to him on the mound and said, how do you feel? And he said, I'm tired. <laughs> I just, I don't. Dick Clemens, uh, obviously he didn't back that up. There's no way he would no, say, oh, yeah. No. I, uh, <laughs> That's it's a huge story, though. It was, I mean, yeah, that's it came up like 10 years ago when McMurd, but I mean, the whole, the whole thing with why Buckner was in the game still with a bad leg, and that to me, because McNamara wanted to have the veteran on the field, yeah, to, to know what it feels like to win, you're still getting the championship, right bottom of the eighth and you're on the bench as a defensive replace. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that doesn't, I think what also hurt them that obvious, that was definitely the reason why, well, one of the reasons why, because even if he makes that play, the game is not beating Mookie to the bag. No, right. That's so even if he does though, it's still a tie game, right? The, the, the run had already scored to tie the game. So at least okay, you're getting to extra innings, but who knows? Maybe they still lose. So right. So that's that's without say. And he probably doesn't get to first base anyway, even if he makes the play. I think the bigger reason is when you look at that team, look at their bullpen. Their bullpen was awful. Yeah, they had good starting, right? You had Clemens, Oil Cam Boyd was good, Bruce Hurst, obviously, he was great in the World Series as well. Um, Al Nipper, and they had also Tom Seaver. Whatever, but their closer was Stanley, Bob and Stanley, and Chiraldi actually played pretty good, pitched pretty good for them too. But he was it Chiraldi the one that? And there is a great book on this. Dan Shaughnessy, the mm-hmm. uh, famous Boston Globe reporter, I, th- I think is Boston Globe. Yeah, um, he wrote a book, "The Curse of the Bambino." Some of it I buy into. Some of it I just think. They didn't have great teams. Right. There's no curse. You just didn't have a good team. Right. Uh, I know that pains Yankee fans to hear. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I agree. Uh, but in 86, Chiraldi was teammates with Kevin Mitchell on a previous team in previous years. And Kevin Mitchell came up to bat. And uh, apparently the folklore was – that they had talked, and both guys said that this is true, that they had talked while they were roommates in spring training, saying, if you ever faced me, how would you how would you try and get me out? <laughs> and apparently he told them, you know, I would do this, this, and this. <laughs> oh, God. Kevin Mitchell is in the clubhouse getting changed 
because he thinks the season's over. All of a sudden, he hears yelling. Some guy comes running down the clubhouse. Manager wants you. Skip wants you. You're in the game. He comes out, you know, zipping up his thing. Gets in there. First pitch is just like Chiraldi told him. Yeah. Wow. So he's like, wait a second. Then the next pitch, I think it was the second pitch he hit, and he yeah. got on base. And apparently, according to both guys, it was exactly the way they talked. That's incredible. Like, you know, I'm going to throw you an inside fastball, then I'll throw you a lone away off speed. And that's what he did. And that is incredible. But I mean, when you look at their bullpen that year, Stanley was already 31. And you know, Stanley he was, I know all only one guy in their bullpen had a below four ERA. Yeah. And it was 392. So yeah. Steve Crawford, Sammy Stewart. Joe Sambito, um, Tim Lawler. That's I mean, not they a only good. had they had three pitchers in their starting rotation above five hundred. I know right. wins and losses isn't the be all end all now, but I mean, you had Roger Clemens at twenty four and four, and they didn't get a hundred wins that year. And remember, that was the year that they shocked the angels, right? That yes, was the Donnie Moore, right? Then, that was the yeah. Donnie Moore giving up to Dave Henderson and all that. So yep. they really, I don't want to say they shouldn't have been in the World Series, but they, you know, they could have very well not have been in the World Series if Donnie Moore just finishes right. off uh, Henderson. You know? and, so, And I know it didn't really come up, but <laughs> they they had absolutely no bench either. I mean, if you look at their offensive production, it yeah. was they had a I mean they had Evans, they had Baylor, they had Jim Rice, Wade Boggs, Bill Buckner, Gedman had a decent year for a catcher, but but they were very top heavy. And it was like a lot like the Red Sox that you and I remember playing the the Dynasty Yankees in the nineties. Mm. They could make the playoffs, but then when it came time, their bullpen would implode. And I thought 03 was a lot like 86 in that you had the dominant pitcher in Pedro, just like Clemens. You had some good hitters in the lineup, but then when it came down to it at the end of the game, the bullpen just wasn't there. And Yeah. But on the whole idea of the curse, I – Yeah. I don't, that's, I don't know. That's for TV. You know, I mean, that's for like – and that's what makes baseball great is that there's time to think about these things and it's definitely a book, book worth reading. Yeah. Dan Shaw and see the curse of the Bambino. But and, and the some of those years it was just it was just they they weren't meant to win. Right. 86, I thought they were they shouldn't have won the pennant, but now that they got to the World Series, I think they were I think they were a little better than the Mets, especially since they had a 2-0 lead in that series. See, I thought the opposite. I thought the Mets that year were going to win it. Really? They they came back and beat Houston. Houston. True. They really probably, if they lose that game where they go to like the 16 innings. If and they then they have to game, face. Mike Scott, who was unhittable that year. I mean, that guy was just. Mike Scott was throwing pitches and they were, they were calling timeout. Or like, you know, like yeah. the game for a second. Looking at the ball, like. Yeah. Excuse me. Is is there something on here? Like, like he's throwing like a wiffle ball. 
Yeah. That's what fingered fastball, man, was just ridiculous then. I mean, I was like, I don't want to say it was the first time somebody was throwing a a split finger, but because it was called the fork ball for so long, but they started calling it the split finger. And um, I just remember he was just on just unhittable for a while. Just I think he threw it later that year, too. I mean, he was there was like a three or four year span, but that was like the apex of it. And it was perfect timing. It's true for the playoffs. But I mean, but going back, but then if you look at, you know, if you read about the 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 Mets 86 season with, you know, where that was a whole crazy, that was a, a nut job of a team. Um, they didn't have like the all-star. I mean, they had a couple of big all-stars, you know, Strawberry was, was, was a, you know, what, second or third year, but you had Ray Knight at third base, you know, not a great player, Tim Tuffle and, you know. All these like not exactly big name stars, but yeah, you still had Carter, Keith yeah. Hernandez, Strawberry, and Gooden. But right, but then both, both that, teams, the Red Sox and the Mets, had their top stars. Right, but it wasn't. I, I just, I mean, I guess the Mets had a better bullpen, so that's yeah. what wins it at the end. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, especially in these days, obviously, a better bullpen is is everything, but, um, that's, it's just an interesting when you go back and look at them, you know, how do you think those, that, that series would have played out if it was like today in today's day and age, like, Mm -hmm. do you think the Mets would have even made it to the world series or they have self imploded during the year with social media? And that's a good possibility because it's a totally different Like we would have known everything that went on with the Mets, right? Yeah all their off the field issues. We would have known everything in the locker room. We would have known everything that went on with that team. And now we know what went on and we're like, how did they even survive that year? Yeah. Killing themselves. How's that guy standing right now? Right. Compared to performing (laughs) on the biggest stage. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's incredible. That, that was one of those teams. But then again, when you look at it, how good they were, that's the only world series that team won. You know, everybody thought, all right, they're going to come back and win in 87, 88, and just didn't happen. So, but, um, yeah, the, I mean, like you said, it just wasn't that good. But I think after 86 is when, or it took a few more years, but, you know, especially the the last 20 years for the, you know, for the Red Sox, at least 20, 25 years has been as good as a run as any team. Yeah, I would say – it started. I I consider it like no more and above. Yeah. So from ninety, I mean, it's hard to say a run started without a World Series. Usually, you say like the Yankees' modern run started in ninety six, but it really started a year or two before that. You know what I mean? Right. Like laying the groundwork and. I thought the 98 team was pretty good, but nothing compared to the Yankees. Yeah, 98. And, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, they 99, won. was it? We lost to you guys four games to one? Yeah. It wasn't even very close. 98, you guys won 92 games and you were 22 games out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, imagine being the double raise that year. Oof. <laughs> I can't. I don't even want to look. But yeah, no, but those are the years. And, you know, that's when they started 
you know, in the playoffs just about every year. And but here's the thing that I, I and I don't think Yankee fans they don't appreciate this enough. Not all of them. Is that look at the Red Sox, right? We're talking about the last 25 years, right? 25 since at least 2000. Right. Or even even further back, they've had good years after that, right? Um, Before that, right? 95, they made the playoffs. 98, 99. All those years. There were still a couple of years where you guys were horrible, right? Oh, yeah. We did absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know where you're going with this, but. Like, look, you got 2011, 2012, you guys were. The Bobby Valentine year. Yeah. 2014. The Yankees, to your point, Yankee fans don't realize how good they have it with the level of consistency. Right. Yeah, it stinks that we haven't been to a World Series since 2009, right? Any team would take that, though, what I just said. You know, like, oh, we haven't been to a World Series in 13 years. You know, whatever. But you don't realize, like, since 1993, we haven't had a losing record. Like, we've been in the playoffs or at least playing for the playoffs in September. There's not many teams I could say that. Nobody could say that for the last 30 years. Every single season, it's been like that way. The unbelievable stat was Derek Jeter, right? He didn't play. I think he played one game in his career that the playoffs were not on the line. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Like, and I'm not saying it's all Jeter. It's because of Jeter. I'm not saying, but but it's just because of that team. Like, and that's why the last 30 years, like you don't give this team enough credit for that. Yes. We want them to spend more money. You know, like these, some of these fans are like, well, we should be blowing through the CBT and, and all that. I mean, and that's why it's just, it just makes no sense. You know, I, I just, I look at them like, what else do you want these teams to What else do you want the Yankees to do? They have one of the highest payrolls every single year. They've paid the most taxes from the CBT than any other team. And Yankee fans are still, so that's why I understand from a Red Sox fan, from whoever else fan, they look at us. From like a Pittsburgh fan. Right. You're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and more, <laughs> more. playoffs, playoffs, right? We don't even know what that is <laughs> outside of a wild card game here and there, but you know, like it's just it's incredible. I don't think it's a run that you'll ever see again, you no. know, because everything has to go right. Like the Red Sox, I'm sure I don't want to look back, but I'm sure in those years that they finished fifth. Their payroll wasn't 40, $40 million. I'm sure it was one of the no. higher payrolls. It just no, it was just out. a new manager. It was Bobby yeah. Brown, you know, That's but they, got hurt, there was optimism. Right? And yeah. It should be a losing season. That's for sure. I mean, maybe, yeah. all right, you don't make the playoffs, but that's the thing with the Yankees. Even when they don't make the playoffs, they're right there. I mean, they're within striking range of a, of a playoff spot. So it's... And, and that's why I always look at this team. I look at, you know, I look at the end. I'm like, yeah, we could do so much better, but we could do. How many years did the Braves in the 90s? I mean, obviously the 90s, but I'm trying to think when they started with that run of making the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Or well, they won the division. They actually won the division all those years, too. Yeah. I'm um, trying to think when it started. Like what year? Um 91? Okay. 
Because 94, they didn't win it. They were second, but did they win the did they get the wild card? No. Oh no, the wild card was ninety. Was the first year of the wild card ninety-five? Yeah. Yes. So ninety-five on. Ninety-five to oh five. Wow. Ten years, eleven years straight. Where they won the That's division every single year. They didn't just make the play. They were division winners every single year. But one World Series for all of that. I mean, With, would you rather hmm. be in the playoffs and lose or not in? Oh, I'd rather be in it every single year. I, I want yeah. I want a chance to win. I don't want to – I'd rather have that lottery ticket to get in. Just get me yep. in there. because We see it every season that one team comes out of nowhere, even like last year. I mean, I don't think anybody had the Braves winning the World Series last year. No. Right? Or very few people had them winning the World Series. You just got to get in. You got to be in it to win it, as they say, right? When yep. you talk about lottery, right? You got to be in it to win it. Um, just get us yeah, in that playoffs. I mean, Football, Cincinnati Bengals. Nobody had the Bengals making the Super Bowl this year. But yeah. if you get to the playoffs, you never know, man. Anything can happen in the playoffs, you know? So I, I it's just – that's why I, I, I'm telling you, I always look at these teams great. I would say overall, the Red Sox over the last twenty years, they've done a better job than the Yankees because they've won more world, more world. The highs have been higher, but the lows have been lower. Right, the Yankees have been just steady right across. And the I think board. that sums up Boston Red Sox compared to the Yankees. The Yankees have been consistently great. Right. Red Sox, when they won, it's like, oh my God, we win with a no-name quote-unquote Babe Ruth. Or we break the curse 86 years. It's so great. But then when it's bad, it's right. It's really bad. And when the Yankees, when the Yankees are quote unquote bad, it's like 84 wins. Right. You barely win. wins. Right. But you're still fighting for a playoff spot yeah. in September. You know, you're still in it. You still got a shot. Yeah. It may not be a good shot, but you got a shot. And it's just it's it's crazy. Um in this day and age that a team is able to do that for that many years in any sport, let alone baseball because of free agency, because of a salary cap CBT that we, that baseball has, you know, it's just, it's impossible. Look at football, what the Patriots did going back to that's, yeah, that's where I compare it to almost what the, yeah. what the Patriots have done every year. And then to a lesser the degree that the Braves did it. And then like the San Antonio Spurs did it for a while. Yeah. And the the Celtics back period. in the day. But for a shorter period as well, not as long. I mean, 30 years you're talking yeah. right now. You know, next year I think it'll be 30 years. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty much my whole life. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> but just think, there's a lot of Red Sox fans that were Red Sox fans that never seen the yeah. World Series. Same yeah, thing with Cubs. I mean, Cubs fans are even worse. But think about it. There's, yeah, there's imagine you were born like, in like 1920. Oh God! <laughs> you live from twenty to two thousand. <laughs> That's oh, a hell of a life, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you don't even see. Yeah, yeah. That would be. <laughs> yeah. So, if there are any hundred-year-olds out there, you know, <laughs> keep watching. We'll yeah. say something nice next episode. But uh, <laughs> and if there's any fourteen-year-old uh, uh, 
Yankee fans out there. Yeah, no, look. We're, we're pulling for you. We might. Let's get a World Series for you, okay? Come on. We're really <laughs> I do not. If a 14-year-old Yankee fan, there's, there's nowhere to go. But, I mean, as a Yankee fan, is there? can you even – there's no drop-off. I mean – That poor guy. That poor kid. Come on. He's lived his whole life without seeing a World Series. 14 years of his life. He's not seen a World Series, that poor guy. Come on. I, I feel horrible for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we are at Talking Rivals, CP7NY, Patrick Trotty. Um, we are also on sportnarium.com slash player and Northeast Streaming Sports uh, channel on Roku. If you like what uh, you're hearing and seeing, subscribe, like, follow, talk. We'll 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 answer questions, polls, whatever. Share some stuff on Twitter or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, before we do trivia, is there? It doesn't have to be towards the lockout, but is there anything you're looking forward to this week? Um, Any- any, for baseball? Yeah, any update for baseball on this week, you think? <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see an update. I want to hear they're talking, they're getting closer. You know, every, like, the last couple of weeks, we were like, oh, I think we're going to get something. And then, you know, we get there. Well, yeah, yeah, let's spin it positive. Let's let's yeah. look ahead. You keep on saying with the free agency, it's going to be crazy for, like, a week or two after this, which yeah. I agree with. It's probably going to be 10 days of – yeah, maybe even shorter of just yeah. nuttiness, just a lot of spending. We know some of the big names out there, but what team do you think is going to be? Give me a team or two, or maybe a player that gets a a bigger contract than you than we might think. I, I think the Yankees are going to be extremely busy. I know a lot of some Yankee fans are not thinking that way. They think, oh, they're not going to. I think they are. I think they're going to. They're going to definitely spend money. They're going to make some moves, trade signings. Uh, Money-wise, um, you know what? Correa is still going to get a good deal. I mean, I don't think he's going to sign a smaller, like we were saying earlier. Maybe he'll yeah. sign a five-year deal. I don't think he'll do that. If he does, it'll be like a two-year, some crazy amount. Like, let's say two-year, $80 million. You know, I don't think it'll be that way, but it'll be yeah. like a two year, two two for seventy. So he'll still be. I mean, Verlander got two for fifty, and he's coming off Tommy John, which I think was crazy. You know, a yeah. lot of Yankee fans are like, "Oh, we should have signed him." No, I don't want to sign a guy that's, and he's thirty seven. I think right. That's who knows what he's going. to – We don't know what he's going to be like. I don't think anybody does. So, but yeah, I'm I'm thinking for a player. That might get more than we think. I'm thinking Castellanos or Story. Yeah. Someone someone might fall in love with Story. And I think rightfully so. I don't think he's worth Correa money, but I think Correa is going to get overpaid. But so yeah. I can see Story or uh, especially Castellanos with the universal DH now. Oh, yeah. Somebody, multiple teams are going to bid for him and someone's going to come out probably with an overpay, but this is his big contract to get. And I know right, he's been saying he wants eight years. Yeah. If somebody gives him an eight year contract with his bat, they're going to have to give him 200 million. Yeah. At least. 
And that's that's huge for a guy that's a negative defender. Yeah. All right, where do you think Correa, Correa goes? Correa goes to... I'm going to say he goes to Toronto. Wow. I heard something about Philly, so I'm going to go. I'll say to Phillies. Phillies? Okay. Yeah. yeah, that'd be a pretty good lineup. You have Correa batting two, Harper batting three, Romuto batting four. That's not bad. <laughs> or three, four, five. Or yeah. Righty, righty. That's pretty good. But, again, they need pitching. Right. That's probably more important. I mean, if all things are being equal, I would rather – I can't believe I'm saying this. I'd rather do what the Blue Jays did this offseason, sign Barrios and Gossman mm-hmm. to a combined 200 and, what, $40 million between them? Yeah. Rather than, quote-unquote, just get Correa for 300 That's what – and if there's one thing I'd like to see baseball change, because I don't like – because – and you'll you'll understand this too – um, I we talked about it with the playoffs, with the openers. I want to get back to starting five rotation. I don't want yeah. to hear five man rotate or a four man rotation and an open. I don't want to hear that anymore. I want to get back to the starting five rotation because. Well, then you got to look to the minor leagues because right, minor leagues they have like eight man rotations because they don't want to throw these guys' arms out. I, I want to go back to and I, it. It makes sense from a a marketing standpoint too, because when a when a pitcher, when an ace or a number two big name pitcher was pitching that night, the house was packed, right? When when it was a Pedro Martinez start. And you're giving Verlander twenty five million dollars a year. Right. And what are you telling them? Pitch four innings? Yeah. I, it makes no it, sense. It doesn't make any sense. Right? The playoffs, you market that you market the big matchup, you know. Whoever it may be, the ace versus the ace, the two versus the two. It's not, you know, this opener that we've never heard of, or of a guy that you know usually right. a pop up guy. He's throwing the first inning. You know, it just it just I, right. Yeah, you go to Yankee Red Sox game to see Sale versus Cole or Eovaldi versus Cole. No offense to anybody else on the right. roster. No, but right, it's the aces. Think about just going through like some of the teams, like when the Mariners had. Hernandez, right? That was like the biggest thing for them, you know, especially when they weren't that good. That one, that one game every five days, that yeah. place was packed, right? Yep. Red Sox, okay, they were always good with Pedro, but when it was Pedro, there was when it was either Pedro, Schilling, now it's Sale. Yeah, there's juice. There's like, oh yeah. man, there's an energy right? in the stadium when Garrett Cole's pitching. Yeah, because you never know. Like you might see history that night. You might see a no hitter that there is that possibility when an opener is starting, obviously you're not seeing a no hitter. You're not seeing this great pitches duel. And then if they do line up during the regular season, you know, Garrett Cole against Chris sale, that's awesome. You know, like teams love that because that's, that's going to sell. Not when, you know, whoever Michael King for the Yankees pitch against Nick Nelson, right? Michael King first and second inning versus (laughs) Adam Adovino. Right. How do you sell that? Like, yeah. just I mean, that's what the I think the the powers to at be there in baseball have to figure this out. We're like, okay, we got to start promoting our game better, yep. marketing our game better, and I think you got to start somewhere. And I think that's where you got to start. Get and what kid in little league is going to want to be the starting pitcher if you're telling him 
the peak of your profession, if you be if you are lucky and skilled enough to be a professional, right. you're going to pitch three innings because you can't see a batter twice. Yeah. No, screw that. Then I don't want to pitch. I'll I'll become a catcher or a shortstop or an outfielder. And don't be, you know, and I, I would not be shocked if that's happened already. How many yeah. guys in the minors now maybe could throw 98, 99 miles an hour, but he's like, why? I'm going to pitch, what, two innings a game? Yeah. If, if I'm lucky, you know, maybe Every five days. Closer. Right. Instead of being an ace, I, I'd rather be. Maybe that's the shortstop. One of those shortstops that we're talking about. Well, look at DeGrom. DeGrom went from a shortstop to a pitcher. Right. So and maybe that's probably, why Yeah, it probably happens both ways. So Yeah. Uh, one other thing I'm looking at, I want to see where Kenley Jansen goes. I know it's a random name, but he's like the – I think he's current saves leader. Yeah. And active saves. Active, yeah, saves. active career saves. Yeah, I think so. Um, I could see the Red Sox if they're – if they're so inclined to to listen to me, go after someone like him and bring Hauk and Whitlock into the rotation. Hmm. So that would like be a good idea. And obviously the Yankees first base situation. That's yeah. be a big question mark. Yeah, for me, I I mean, if I'm the Yankees, I'm going for Olsen. You know, I'm gonna trade, I'll get rid of Peraza, I guess. Um, and bring in uh the quote unquote stop gap at short. You would go. You would trade for Olsen rather than spend money and lose no prospects on Freeman. Yeah, because I I look at Freeman. He's what going to be thirty two, I think, this year. Yeah. So you you're paying for the age thirty two to thirty six, thirty seven season. You know how is he going to age? Is it going to be? It's probably not going to age well. So maybe you get three really good years and three not so good. Sure. Years. That's a good point. Olsen, I think, is twenty eight, twenty nine. I'd rather trade for him, let him play this year, and then sign him to a eight, nine year deal or something, you know, if it works out. Because that's the one thing, too. Like with the Yankees, we we went from, say, Don Mattingly to Tina Martinez to Jason Giambi to Mark Teixeira. I mean, great, great. I mean, one after another. And now we got Luke Voigt. You know, we had uh, what, Jay Bruce last year. Starting the year, which was embarrassing. You had, um, who's the big guy? Chris Gittens. Yeah, I mean, hard hitting Gittin. There's there's two spots on the. They always make a big deal about it. First base and center field. Center field's another spot. Yeah, I'd like to see them get something out there because Hicks is going to get hurt. Every Yankee fan knows that. So I think they're going to add an outfielder as well somewhere. I don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, it'd be great to get Chris Bryant. You know, aim big. And we could play him at third and and center. That would be awesome. But I know that's not going to happen. But um, it's going to be an interesting. I, I think Olsen is enough for the Yankees. Let's not, not get greedy if you're a Yankee fan. Right. Olsen, Brian, all of them. But I want to get back no, to you. Hicks, I, I would not want to go into opening day with Hicks. Um, putting him down to start all the games. Yeah. It's just I, not going to happen. And then he did mention that I remember before all this happened with the lockout, he did mention center field and he mentioned shortstop that they have to improve. So that's why I think they're going to bring in a, you know, they're going to bring in something at, at center field. They don't have to bring in, like I know that Marte went to the Mets, you know, they probably overpaid for him too. So uh, maybe they, they'll make a trade for a center fielder or a guy that can play multiple positions in the outfield because 
we're not going to get a full season out of Judge and Stanton again. You know, one or both are going to get hurt. And then, of course, the Judge thing. You know, that's the other thing I'm looking forward to. I'm curious to see what 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 happens. Is he going to get the extension? How big is it going to be? Are they going to wait till next offseason to, to do it? Or are they going to trade him? So we'll see. Yeah, is the outfield class, is it even any good, really? Not really. You know, there's veterans there. Nothing great where I'm, you know, where they have to go after yeah. somebody. Uh, like I said, I think Chris Bryan is probably one of the better options out there. But I don't see them going big since they no. do have uh, uh, Dominguez coming up. But he's not going to be here probably for another at least two years, you know, unless he goes nuts. Um, unless he really kicks they in. They might fast track him. You never know. But yeah, I I doubt it. They've they've never done that with anybody, so I'm I'm really not expecting that. Um, so, but we'll see. So now we move to trivia. Um, I've got one for you. Just came off the top of my head. Uh, we mentioned it before. We didn't mention the answer, but the question kind of came up. Uh, the Broadway play that it was that was financed for oh, Babe no. Ruth. <laughs> Do you know the name no. of the play? I forgot it. I've I've heard it before, but I definitely don't. No, know. no, Nanette. Ugh. <laughs> it was supposedly a comedy musical, and it was supposedly a hit. Oh, what's all right? Well, yeah, so that, that, just, that name just sticks in my head, but yeah, no, that's something. Yeah, um, I didn't have an act. I'm gonna give you one of those. You gotta come up with the top 10. Yeah, um, all right. So, top 10 in whip career. Ooh, I'm gonna career. give you the top two because neither one never heard of. Number one is Eddie Joss or Eddie Joss. Um, oh, point. Nine six seven eight in two thousand three hundred twenty seven innings, and number two was Ed Walsh, um, zero point nine 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 six. Okay, um, almost three thousand innings. Pretty good. The other guys, other than one, oh, I'll, I'll give you that guy. His seventh is John Ward. I know you're not going to get him either. Uh, Whip. Is one point oh four three five in twenty. So all in the low ones. Yeah. Um, yep. Walks and hits per innings pitched. And it's mostly guys that have pitched in the last 20, 30 years. Really? There's only one that's I'll give you another old time. I'm gonna one. say I'm gonna say Pedro. Pedro's eighth at one point oh five four four. Okay. Pedro, so a guy that didn't give up a lot of walks or hits, so he had good control. One is um, one for is their really career or single season for their career. Obviously. For their career, and two guys are relievers. Rivera, right? He's third, so he's the highest of the modern era players. Okay. Well, that makes uh, sense. One point oh 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 three in. Just in almost 1,300 minutes. And they're mostly – I'm going to say Greg Maddox. Uh, no. I'm surprised. Let me see. Where is he? Because he doesn't walk anybody. Hmm. Hmm. 
I don't even see him. Um, missing him. Recent guys with a good whip. Yeah, he's not up there. Mm. Are they Hall of Famers? Yeah. Uh, well, Rivera is. Yeah. One, okay. two, actually three of them is still active. Oh, still active. Wow. Um, so guy with good control, doesn't give up a lot of hits, still active would be Granky. Nope. Damn. Think of the best pitcher. I should think just of think of the aces on every team. Think think of the best pitcher of the last 15 years. Over the last 15 years. He's a free agent. Kershaw? Yep. He's fourth. One wow. oh, oh, So it's two oh. no names, Rivera and then Kershaw. All right. <laughs> yeah, those are the tough ones. Think of arguably the best pitcher right now. Jacob DeGrom. Right. <laughs> He's uh he is number five at one point. What's, what college did Jacob DeGrom go to? Uh, I don't know. Stetson. Stetson. Wow. That's good scout, whoever got, got him. Um, he's actually pitched. He's still less than Mariano Rivera's innings. Mariano Rivera's Are there any old-timers in this, like Bob Gibson or Koufax? Only one. Out of the guy, remember I gave you three of them. That yeah, that's right. The the three no name guys were we're not no name, but there's one old timer, really old timer, but he's one of the most famous ones. Cy Young. No. The other guy. The other guy. <laughs> there's there's like two or three that pitching wise. Think of the top. Oh, pitchers. Walter Johnson. The other one. Jeez. <laughs> there's there's three guy. guys in the room, and I Walter Johnson. Walter Johnson is 11th. No, he's a bum. Yeah, I don't see Cy Young. Oh, Cy Young is tied for 45th. That's it? Wow. Yep. Tom Seaver is 40th. Oh. You're talking, you know, Sandy Kovacs was 30th. Satchel Page, 21st. Who is this? Um, Max Scherzer is 15th. Wow. Just trying to think of, like, big names that I see here. Verlander? He probably had a lot of walks. Yeah, no, I don't see him. Yeah. Garrett Cole is oh. 34th. I don't know. I would have said people like uh, I'm thinking Bob of like, is 42nd. Randy Johnson was too yeah. wrong. Especially earlier on. He yeah. To walk everybody. Um, well, you're missing what? I'm missing that. I'm I'm stuck on not oh, Sion, they, not Walter right, Johnson. I'll but, just Christy Matheson. Christy Matheson. I was going to start with uh, Smokey Joe Wood. <laughs> no, I, I would have gave it that one. The only guy you're missing is, uh, oh, yeah, one, I think, right? You? No, you didn't I, say. I'm uh, surprised there hasn't been an Atlanta Brave on this list yet. No. Did you say Pedro? Yeah. He's eighth. Right, you're only missing number six, and he's active. So, And you should know who this guy is. Should know him. Well, if he's on this list, yeah, and he's still Verlander was fifty fifth. 
He's active. One, three, four, two. He's still active. He's the only Madison Bumgarner. Nope. He's uh, what I just say. Forty second. Forty second. I don't know. I'm gonna. <laughs> You're gonna. I'm gonna kick myself once you say it. Chris Sale. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That's why I said you should know him pretty well. <laughs> wow. Half of that came in Chicago. <laughs> Obviously. If you look up Chris Sales, and we'll end on this, thankfully. If you look up Chris Sales' postseason stats, yeah. He's pitching to like a, a touchdown ERA. Oof. He's the one guy. Well, there's a lot of people that need to prove it this year on both our teams, but he's the one guy that really needs to oh, yeah. earn that salary. Yep. You are right. <laughs> Um, obviously coming back, this is his second year off Tommy John. So this will be a big year for him. And then hopefully, hopefully he gets to prove it, prove me wrong in the postseason. I mean, them winning in 18 and him not really doing much. Like I said before, he made the final out, but it's been, it's been other guys. He hasn't had his moment in the playoffs yet, so. You know what I was thinking, too, real quick before we go? What team, if there's a team, um, has an advantage if the, the season gets shortened? As You know, like as it gets shortened, does the team have an advantage? Season, I would say. One team came to mind when I thought about it. I'll tell you. I thought the Mets. The Mets? The Mets. Because, oh, yeah, because uh, Grom and Scherzer, they don't get as tired. Right. Scherzer got tired at the end of last year. He couldn't pitch in the playoffs, right? That last yeah. start. Uh, DeGrom, at the end of the – well, the last month or so, whatever, he was out because of whatever. Yeah, DeGrom in May was he, – he drove in more runs than he gave up through he May. Just, yeah, he was just incredible. April and May, he was like a little leaguer out Imagine there. Imagine if they play like a, a half season this year. Those guys. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's a good point. Um, For what, 12 I would stars? say the teams on paper that are supposed to be better are actually going to fare worse in the shorter season because there's less there's less of an opportunity. How do I phrase this the right way? Okay, on paper, you think the Dodgers, you think Yankees, whatever whatever teams you want to say are the top right. teams. Over a longer season, they have more of a chance to go towards the back of their baseball cards, their right. stats. I see Shorter yeah, I season, see. anything's possible. Right. right. So I think this negatively affects – I'm going to say it negatively affects the Rays. And I'm going to say other than the Mets, it's going to – there's going to be – and this is – I'm not going to say the field, but <laughs> – I would put my money on a team to come out of nowhere if it's like an 80 game season. Yeah. At least one team that you're like, they made the playoffs. Cause Maybe the, team the, could Reds. Just, the Reds. How about the Cubs? I like what they did with Strowman. And if Clint Frazier does anything, that's right. a smart pickup for nothing, but yeah. yeah, I could see, see, I could see a team like the giants falling back a little bit. And then yeah. somebody p- 
picking that up. So maybe a team that I always hate on, like the Padres. Yeah, the Padres should, right? Yeah, they should. So, (laughs) I'm actually I'm looking at a team in the AL Central, Detroit or Kansas City, in a shortened season. If they hit it right with their young pitching and some of the free agents that Detroit brought in, because they brought in Baez, they brought in Eduardo Rodriguez, they traded for Tucker Barnhart. Right. And they have on Correa too. And they have two, I think, in the top ten prospects that are ready. Yep. So that's true. That's that's a team definitely to watch out for. I thought maybe Minnesota. That whole that whole central is up for grabs. Central's yeah, central's up in the air. And I think the White Sox are a team that need they need to do something in this when the lockout ends. I think they should solidify. Because they have a pretty good team. They're but right they're right. losing Radon. Right. So they have to fill that. They don't know what they're getting out of Kimbrell. Yeah. But yeah, no, they have no, they have a team right now that's gonna win 90 something games. But I think they're expecting like Coppich to to break out this year, too. I, I was reading a little bit about him. So yeah, he's a flamethrower. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's episode 36. If you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter or wherever you get your podcasts or on Northeast Streaming Sports or on sportnarium.com slash player. And we'll be back next Monday, which is already the middle of March. Should be spring training, but it's not. So it'll be episode 37 next week. And we'll be talking. <laughs> we'll be talking. Well, we'll definitely have trivia. Yes. Uh, the lockout for sure. We'll update it and hopefully we'll be lockout stuff. And we can, we can maybe look ahead to what each of our teams needs to do from here until opening day, whenever opening day is like what yeah. the Yankees will do at shortstop and center field and first and what the Red Sox will do with their pitching. So until then, uh, continue the conversation on Twitter and like, and subscribe and have a good one.